to 77977. Follow those prompts. We just appreciate every person that faithfully supports our ministry and what we're doing around the world. Uh, give yourselves a big round of applause for all of that. So Such good, good stuff. Let's release our children to their Sunday school classrooms this morning, and uh, we're going to get right into the Word today. And uh, I just want to, I just, I just want to get right into it. I think, I think, uh, I think most of us have been pretty, pretty into this series that we've been talking about. It's, it's the month that we celebrate our anniversary as a church, our birthday as a church. Uh, a couple weeks back, Pastor Carl spoke. He was the founder, the founder of this church. Thirty-six years ago, uh, we started Elevate Ministries. I was, a, I was an eleven-year-old kid at the time, and uh, my, my mom and dad. We left. We moved from Kingman, Arizona. If you ever driven through there, it's like two exits on the freeway. Uh, if you blink, you'll miss it. Uh, we left Kingman, Arizona, moved to Southern California, uh, began this church in 1985. And uh, our first service, uh, if you weren't here a couple weeks back, our first service was just myself and my parents. And uh, I sat on the front row in a metal chair in a little tiny, little tiny, tiny storefront building and listened to my dad preach a sermon telling us that we we're going to take the world for Jesus. And, and uh, we were just crazy enough as a family to believe it. And all of these years later, I look, and look around and see what God's done. It's just so, so exciting. Amen. As we started the, the church, and I, I've shared a little bit every, every week about this, we started the church, people began to come. And our location, if you're familiar with where Beach Boulevard and Stanton come together, right there, uh, back in the, in the 80s, that was, it was a Tower Records there, and it was a pretty rough area. And, and some of you may have frequented it uh, in, in, your, in your sinful states. Anyways, uh, that's where we started our church. And um, what, 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 who came to our church wasn't church people. Who showed up at our church were drug addicts and gang members and, um, and, and former prostitutes. And so you had a really crazy mix of people because you had my mom, who was the nicest person on the planet, has never done anything wrong, and, and she was fellowshipping with gang members and stuff. It was pretty crazy. Um, but, but that's how we started our church. But what we, what we began to see is, is broken marriages being restored and, and people that were suffering with addiction being set free and families being put back together. And, we didn't have any slick marketing strategies. All we had was a picture of my dad with a perm, and we put it on a flyer and we handed out. We didn't have any, any slogans. We didn't have really mission statements that we were putting out there. All we had was a passion to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And our mission was to change our world one person at a time. That's our mission. It's never changed. It's the same today as it was with the first, our first service when we started. We were going to change our world one person at a time. We didn't have any, any illusions that, that somehow we were going to be this massive mega church, and that wasn't our plan anyways. We just wanted to see people, one person at a time, being changed by the gospel of Christ. And our strategy was simple. We were just going to win one, we were going to build one, and release one. And so this wasn't going to happen quickly. We recognized that. This was going to happen one person at a time. That we were going to win one person to Christ. We we're going to build that person into a disciple and then release them to find their destiny in Christ. Now, we've, we've now modified that so that we can get our little E in it. And so now we reach one, teach one, and unleash one. But, but in essence, it's the same exact thing. Uh, and, and so as a result of our mission and our strategy, what began to form was a family that, that around, around us became a family, a, a community of believers, 
that were passionate about the mission to change the world one person at a time. These people were devoted to each other. They were devoted to, to, to Christ. And as a result, what emerged, the, the outtake of that, was a set of core values. There was, there, was, there, was, there was certain things that our community valued. And we didn't have language for it back then. We didn't have any, any, any slogan for it back then. But what we had was, was certain fundamental beliefs. It was just kind of on the inside of us, something that was valuable to us, things that were important to us. And what, what, what those were, those values, actually became the motivation behind the mission that God had placed us on. And so, and so, so we know now, in looking back, we recognize that, that those, those fundamental beliefs, those simple values that we held dear, those non-negotiables that made us who we are, we recognize now that's what pushed us to do what God's called us to do. And they're valuable. And so you, you've walked in this morning, you're, you're right in the middle of this series, we're talking about our values. And I'll just recap for you how, how, what we've done up to this point. The, the first week of this series, we talked about our priority. And we have a category of values that fall in under our priority. And our priority here at this church is number one, Jesus is front and center. In everything we do, in everything that we, we, we set out to accomplish, that, let me tell you something, Jesus will be the first primary focus in everything that we do. He, he, we believe that a moment spent with Jesus can provide a lifetime of change. And so we're not gonna build this ministry on a person. It's not gonna be built on a, a specific speech, uh, preaching style. It's not gonna be built on a worship team. It's not gonna be built on talents and giftings. It's gonna be built on the person of Jesus Christ. He is front and center in all that we do. Along with that, our priority is his word. We, we, say, we say it like this, God's word is our blueprint. And so when we plan out our lives and we strategize for our future, when we build our lives, we're gonna build them on the truth of God's word. We value the word of God. So our priority is Jesus front and center and his word as our blueprint. The second week we talked about our identity. Last week we talked about our identity. And our identity here is we believe that everyone's important. My dad coined a term long, long ago, years, years, years ago, when we first be began in our ministry, and he said this. He said, you are important in God's plan. That became a mantra around here. We, we painted it on the walls. It, 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 we put it on T-shirts. We, we put it on our flyers. That, the, that our identity is that everybody, that we believe that God empowers everyone that he wants to empower you, that, that what he's put in your heart, it needs to get out. The Bible says that he put it in their heart to accomplish his purpose. So the purposes of God are in the hearts of people. That means you're important in the plan of God. That means what's in your heart is important and it's our job as a church to help you get that out, to get out what God has put inside of your heart. You are important in God's plan. Our identity also includes other people. And so we value unity. That in, we know that you're important in God's plan, but you're important in God's plan in the context of other people. And so that's why we say it like this, we're together, together. That we just don't go to the same church, but we come together in person and on purpose. There's a reason we gather on Sundays. There's a reason why we, 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 we tell Governor Newsom we're not gonna live stream only. It goes against our values. We value being together in person and on purpose. 
If that means we have to break the law, so be it. That's our values. They're valuable to us. So we're gonna do it. We're, so you are important in God's plan. You're important not at home in God's plan. You're important in the context of, of, of other believers. Together, together, you discover your importance in the context of other believers. And so this morning, we're gonna be exploring our third um, category of our values, values, and we're gonna be talking about our activity. Somebody say activity activity we don't just go to church we believe that God's placed us together to do something Bryn believes me I, we don't just go to church we believe God put us together to do something that together we can do something and so that's gonna require certain activity on our part and so there's three parts to our activity and they are faith focus and movement Faith, focus, and movement. These are things that we value as a congregation. So let's talk a little bit about those. Talk about faith for a little bit. How do we describe that? Well, we describe it like this. We have big dreams, but we take small steps. We have big dreams. How many, how many know God wants to put a dream inside of your heart? We have big dreams as individuals, but we have big dreams as a church as well, and that's the DNA of this church. All I've seen since 1985 is dreams followed by steps. That, that's been, that's been what's, what, what we've seen happen. We didn't have anything. All we had was a dream. We had nothing but some steel chairs, steel folding chairs. My dad had a guitar, and, and I think we had a box of Kleenex on the, on the altar, and that was about it. Like that's, That was really all we had as a congregation. But we did have a dream. And so what started out with just a little tiny, you know, 1,300 square foot storefront building has now turned into buildings that we own, multiple buildings that we own. Let me, let me tell you something. What started out as just a small little church with three people has gone into a ministry planting churches all over, extending into missions around the world to, to, to multiplying campuses, campus expansion. There's something about dreams that if you just put some steps to it, you can see God do some amazing things. So we have big dreams, we take small steps. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. So let's talk about faith a little bit. What is faith? Faith is something that you can hold on to. Faith is not some like mystical, out there, weird, you know, lady with a bunch of beads on her necklace and, and moving around. All Faith is something you can grab a hold of. It's something that, 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 it's, that you can experience for yourself. It's accessible. Now, and I, I recognize there's a lot of, a lot of people that, that think about faith differently than, than when we talk about faith, maybe, maybe something else is being drawn up in your mind. Because I, I've grown up in church and a lot of times when you hear someone talking about faith, they'll, they'll, you'll realize that it's really not faith, it's actually unbelief. Because you'll hear people say something like this. You ask them, hey man, how you doing? Oh, you know, man, we're just, you know, we're just living by faith. We're just, we're just kind of, you know, doing the best we can. We're just, kind of, we're just kind of living by faith. And what they're really saying is, life is really bad. Right? Have you ever heard someone say that before? You know, just going to live by faith. Just going to trust God and live by faith. What they're really saying is, is we're barely making it. And I just hope that somehow this, this belief in my head will somehow get us through. That's not what God intended faith to look like. He says, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So living by faith should look a little different than barely making it. That's how I believe, all right? I don't know about you. I think faith should look like taking ground, all right? It should look like building teams and planting churches and making impact. So when you say, I've got faith, you also have proof to back it up. 
So if you have faith, if you tell me I've got faith, you should be able to say, and here's the proof. Here's the substance that's been produced by my faith. Are you with me today? And I think that the first step in faith, it starts with language. It starts with how you, how you talk. Second Corinthians says this, it is written, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And since we have a spirit of faith, we also believe and then we speak. And so when you come to Elevate Ministries, you're gonna hear a message of faith. That is, we are faith speakers and hope dealers. We are here to deal hope, all right? We are hope dealers. Some of you understand dealing things, all right? We deal hope at this church, all right? And the way we deal hope, it starts with the words that we speak. It's amazing that oftentimes what we speak becomes what we expect. And what we expect becomes what we experience, all right? Our words have a way of taking a hope and conceiving a reality. I was just having a conversation with, 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 with Bryn, all right? We were just talking about it. He just, he just got the keys. I think we should celebrate. He just got the keys to their, their, their first home. Man, amazing. And what's crazy is, is at the end of last year, there's an opportunity for Carrie and I to move from where we had, we, we had raised our kids for 25 years and to move next door. We're actually next door neighbors to my parents, so it's crazy. Anyways, we have a little gate. We just kind of walk over next to, awesome, right? So, so this all took place at the end of 2020, you know? And, and uh, so we were getting ready to move and felt a little bad because we were getting, a, uh, we, we were getting a, a moving into a new house and Bryn and Cindy had been, been looking and struggling trying to find a house. We've had conversations, Bryn's crying. I mean, and I'm like, hey bud, I got a new house, you know? And like, anyways, I felt kind of bad about it, you know? And so we were moving, it was a little bit of a time of transition and, and here's Bryn and Cindy, they're living in this house. Cindy's running this, this crazy business and, and, and raising twins in this small apartment. And we thought, hey, for the time being, in this little interim, while they're searching for a house, let's buy them some time, why don't you guys move into our house? And uh, you, why don't you, we went out to Earth Cafe, and we sat them down and said, this is what's happening, and, and uh, I cushioned the blow by saying, hey, but you can live in our house while you look for yours. And Bryn was like, well, you know, sounds okay, you know, and then so he didn't even give me a yes. Like, like I'm trying to help you out. And uh, so he called me back later, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do it, we'll do it. And, and one of the things that he told me is, is if we do this, Carrie remembers it, if we do this, this is only gonna be like, this is, this is like a six month thing. Like we wanna, be, we wanna be out by June. He said that to me. I remember thinking about it. So we're going through Instagram, I'm looking, and, and do you know that Bryn picked up the keys to his house on May 31st? This is, this is what, when you speak it by faith, when you, what comes out of your mouth usually ends up becoming a reality. I remember when Carrie was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was a devastating thing to hear, all right? That's not a, that's not a, fun, that's not a fun doctor visit, all right? When you hear that kind of news, it's not great. You, you're, all of a sudden, you get thrust into like a life and death battle. But the words that came out of our mouth is, this will end in healing. We didn't know what it was gonna take. We didn't know what we were gonna have to go through. We had no idea of, of the treatment, none of that. All we knew is that this is going to end in healing. It came out of our mouth, it was preached from behind this pulpit, and today, like Carrie is, is doing so good. Just, I mean, look at her, hair, curls, I mean. 
Yesterday, yesterday she did a five-mile hike, all right, with, with like a thousand-foot elevation gain. It's crazy, all right? And, but, but there's something about when you speak it out of your mouth, and that's why when you come to Elevate, we're a faith church. We've got big dreams, and what we preach behind this pulpit, it may be a little offensive to you because it's too big. But I want you to, I want you to understand, God's got something big for your life. It's more than you can think or imagine. It's, it's big stuff, so we're gonna preach faith here. And it may rub your, fe- it may rustle your feathers a little bit. I don't care. This is, a, this is a church, we believe in taking big, we believe in big dreams and taking small steps. We are a faith church. Somebody shout amen, come on. But here's the thing about faith. Faith naturally produces vision. So when you have a dream, a dream is great, all right, dreams are, dreams are fine, but dreams, dreams just, just left that way don't really do anything. But what we believe that faith, the dream that you have, it actually produces vision inside of you. Vision is a byproduct of faith. So if God called me to do it, if he's, if he's given me the dream, then, then the dream that God's given me, it deserves my full attention. So I'm gonna focus on it. God's calling deserves my full attention. If you talk to any artist, if you talk to any architect, if you talk to any builder, anyone that sets out to create something, they never start creating unless they have some sort of end in mind. There has to be a vision in their mind, has to be something going on in there. No creator sets out to create something that they can't see. Vision is what fuels the creation. And so that's why if God's given us a dream, a picture, a vision, then it deserves our attention. We're gonna focus on it. No one sets out to build something without some sort of end in mind. And so at this ministry, we believe that without vision, people perish. And so at Elevate Ministries, when God gives us a dream, he gives us a vision, what we're gonna do is we're gonna focus on it. We're gonna zero in on it. Because when we can see it, when God gives it, we can focus on it, and then we can move towards it, which brings me to the third part of our activity, is we believe in movement. And the way we say it around here is this, better is better than best. Better is better than best. We stay out of stuck. We stay out of stuff. We're not gonna settle for anything that God's called us to be above. We're not gonna settle under what God's called us to live over. Are you with me today? There's a difference between best and better. Better is better than best, and let me explain why. So today, I'm speaking to you, and I'm gonna give you my very best. When I, when I come up here on Sundays, I take it extremely serious. Anytime I'm speaking to you, I'm gonna give you my very best. I'm gonna offer this congregation the very best I have. I'm prepared. I, I have thought about this. Every week, I'm trying to be on the top of my game. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring something new. But whatever is best today should get better tomorrow. It, sh- it should be better. It, sh- it should get better. I shouldn't be saying the same things in the same way five years from now, all right? I I should have more to say. I should be saying it better because because there needs to be some form of growth in my life over a period of time. So today's ceiling is tomorrow's floor. That's what we believe. And so we're building, better is better than best. If we can just get a little bit better, if we can just keep learning, if we can just keep growing, if we can just keep improving, best is great. It's great for the moment. 
It's awesome. It's, it's my responsibility to do my very best right now. It's my, it's my responsibility. I owe it to this church, right, to do the very best I can, but I should be every day moving the needle to what best actually is. In other words, best should get better. I thought you guys would really like that. I thought you'd really get into that. Best should get better. I believe every person can improve. I believe that everything can be improved. I think that every day has the possibility for improvement. Better is better than best. Example, let me, let's talk about Jesus for a minute. Jesus was the best. Hands down, right? Come on. How many would agree with that? Jesus was the best. How do you get better than Jesus? Like Jesus raised the dead, all right? Opened blind eyes, all right? He, he, he made water into wine, fed the 5,000. I mean, he's the son of God. You, you just don't get better than that. But Jesus said this in John 4, 14, 12. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and even greater works than these they'll do. What was Jesus saying? Jesus saying, you're gonna be better than the best. That's what he said. He says, he, says, he says, you are gonna do better than the best there is. So as long as I realize this, there's gonna be constant movement in my life. As long as we realize this as a church, there's gonna be constant movement as a church. We value movement. We stay out of stuck, we're constantly moving forward. If I'm not growing today, if I'm not growing currently, what I do is I talk about yesterday. That's why you certain people you get around and all they can talk about is what they did last year, five years ago, and they talk about the church, how it was 10 years ago, and the songs we sang back then were so much better than the songs we're singing today, and Pastor Carl's so much better, and, and, and Adam is so whatever, and, and you know, people talk about yesterday. When, 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 when they're not moving forward, they're, they're, they're talking about yesterday. If I'm not growing today, I wanna talk about yesterday because I got nothing new to talk about. But, but, but let me, if I'm growing, there's more out there. So I'm not stuck talking about what happened back then. I'm, I'm talking about what's out there, what's ahead, and we're moving forward to what God has for us. Somebody say amen. So we are never gonna, gonna be satisfied staying where we are. It's never gonna happen in this church. Our activity is faith. We have big dreams, we take small steps. Our focus that God's calling deserves my full attention and movement. Better is better than best. Now, so what I wanna do right now is I wanna preach to you a 15-minute message. Is that okay? We've, we've, established the, we've established this value. I'm gonna preach you a 15-minute message to you that's gonna transform your life if you get it down inside your spirit. Is anybody ready for that? The title of this message is called Unsettlers. We will never settle. Somebody, somebody turn to your neighbor, I'm never gonna settle. Say it, come on. I'm an unsettler, we, I'm, I'm never going to settle. If you can get this inside of your heart, it'll transform your life, Genesis 11. All right, you guys ready? Genesis 11, the Bible says that a man by the name of Terah took his son Abram, he would later become Abraham, Okay, so we know who this is, Abraham's dad, Terah, took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, and his, his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Go ahead, just, just go ahead and underline that, highlight that, they settled there. The Bible says that Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Now what we know today, when we study our Bible, we know anything about Bible history, we know that God called Abraham, right, 
to leave his father's household and go to a land that eventually was gonna flow with milk and honey? Where was God sending Abraham? He was sending him to Canaan. And we know that Abraham would leave and he would go to Canaan with his family. He would end up becoming the father of our faith. But from this text that we just read here this morning, it was actually his daddy, Terah, who had been called to first to go to Canaan. So before God called Abraham to go to Canaan, he called Terah, his dad, to go to Canaan. And we know that, we know that, that Abraham's descendants end up being the ones that, that go into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But here at the end of Genesis chapter 11, it's Abraham's dad, Terah, that was the one that was called to actually leave Ur and go to Canaan, but he never made it there. And I think that's sad. He sadly, he, he never made it there. And if, and if you do a little research, if you study the background and you try to figure out, well, what happened to him? He was on his way to Canaan and he ended up stopping in the city of Haran. If you look, if you do some research, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people think that the reason he stopped is because on the way, his son died. His son was, well, oddly enough, was named Haran, but he, on, on their way, his son died. And, and when his son died, he stopped here in, in Haran and, and to grieve his son. And it's just like he never could get going again. Like, like it, somehow the grief or the, or the, or the struggle was so, was so much so that, that, that Terah just kind of gave up and just said, you know what, rather than go to Canaan, let's just stay here. Let, let's just, let's just, so, so something happened. Maybe he became emotionally attached to that spot. Or maybe, maybe he, he was tired of, 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 of traveling and, and picking and, and moving on. Maybe he was afraid that if he continued on, maybe another son would die. Maybe he was, maybe he was worried about Abraham. Something happened to him. All we know is that he, he stopped. He never made it to the place God was sending him. He actually never made it to Canaan. He settled in Haran. Now, here's the thing about Elevate. Elevate Ministries is not the church that you go to if you just wanna to come to church on Sundays and hear a nice little message. I don't know if you figured that out at all. I've been around here any length of time. Like, like if you, if you, if you wanna just go to church and just kind of do your time, 45 minutes, you know, I'm hungry, I hope this guy finishes. This isn't the place you wanna be because here we value faith, focus, and movement. We're, we're an activity-based church. Our activity is faith, focus, and movement. And so from the pulpit, what you're gonna hear is you're gonna hear us keep pushing and keep pressing. We're gonna, we're gonna challenge you to strive into the things of God and strive toward your future and to keep moving. Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 18, right at the beginning of his ministry, he said this, it's often quoted. He said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Now, a lot of times, I, I'm sure you've heard, you've heard this, this portion of scripture before. And this is the part of it that's the most quoted. Have you ever noticed that? Like, whenever you hear this, a lot of times when, when someone uses this, the spirit of the Lord's upon me, he's called me to preach the gospel. And that, 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 that really gets everybody excited. That's awesome. And we could just kind of left leave the rest to, to our imagination. But, but here's the thing, at Elevate Ministries, we're not here just to preach the gospel. That's not a period there. That's a semicolon. That means there's continuation. It means God's not done yet, all right? So, so we don't just come to church just to have the gospel preached to us. Like that wasn't the end of Jesus' ministry. He didn't just come around and preach the gospel. That's not all Jesus did. There was much more to it. Yes, he preached the gospel. And here's the thing, that's the, that's the fun part. 
Like, who doesn't want to talk about the good news? That's awesome. Like, if that's all there was, we could just talk about the good news all the time. But here's the thing, that's not where it ends. There's actually continuation to that. There's movement toward to that. You, you know what I'm talking about. So Jesus is saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach the gospel. The, the good news is this. You ready for this? The good news that, that, that Jesus was preaching is this is what you can have in God. That's the good news. This is what you have currently. This is what you can have in God. That's the good news. What happens when you preach the good news is faith. The, that's what happens. When you preach the gospel, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when Jesus is proclaiming the gospel, what's he doing? He's, he's putting faith in people. That's the first part of our activity. We, we believe in faith, right? But it doesn't stop there. Because the next thing Jesus does is he says that he's sent me to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, God, Jesus is saying that, that I, I've come to preach the gospel and to heal what's broken inside of you. In other words, I'm gonna preach the gospel, I'm gonna put faith inside of you, but then it's not gonna stay there. I'm not just gonna tell you what you can have, I need to help you fix what's broken inside of you so you can actually get there. I'm gonna need you to focus on what's broken inside of you. Faith, I need you to focus on what's inside of you so that you can move forward in the things of God. Are you with me today? So Jesus is saying, I'm gonna heal your heart. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna preach the gospel and put faith in you. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna cause you to focus on the heart that's broken. We're gonna, gonna take care of that. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna give sight back to the blind. So, so we're gonna we're gonna preach faith. We're gonna focus on what's wrong, and then we're gonna we're gonna go on mission. We're gonna set everyone at liberty that's oppressed. Faith, focus, and movement. Are you are you with me today? This is what God wants for you. He wants you to live in absolute freedom. He wants you abounding. He doesn't want you abasing. He wants you abounding. He wants people that see you to say, man. What's up with this guy? Wow. I remember when he was this. I remember when she was that. I remember when they had nothing. Good Lord, what happened? What, what's, what's different about your life? And then you'll be able to say, man, I go to Elevate Ministries. I go to a church that doesn't just preach the gospel, but they preach the gospel, it puts faith inside of me, and then we begin to work on the broken areas of my life, and I got set free. My marriage was broken, but guess what? I focused on it, and now it's healed. My, my family wasn't saved. I've been struggling to get deliverance. I was able to focus on what was broken inside of me, and today I feel so free, and now that I'm free, I'm not just running in place. I'm moving forward. I'm, 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 I'm not exhausting myself, but now I've got vision. I've got purpose. I believe I can prosper. I can be the head and not the tail. I can be above only and not beneath. It's faith, it's focus, and it's movement. So here's Tara. Tara, he just can't get beyond the trauma. He's, he's set out to his promised land. He's set to get to, to, the, to the place that God sent him, but he can't get beyond the trauma, and he settles in Haran. So then you flip the page to Genesis 12, 
And the Bible says that God moves on and says to Abram, all right, Terah's stuck. So Abram, why don't you leave your country, your kindred, your father's house, and go to the land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. So the lesson for this sermon is this. You ready for this? Where you settle is where you die. Yep. Where you stop is where you end up. That's, that, that's, that's just it. Where you stop is where you end up. Here's the thing, is that God's given every one of us a measure of faith. He's placed it to every, and here's the thing, we get the faith from the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so if someone was to say to you, hey, tell me about Elevate, tell me the church you go to, what, what, what's it about? You, you would say this, we are a faith-focused and movement church. Because when you come into this house, every time you come, we are gonna attempt to preach a message from God's word that's gonna put faith inside of you. What is it that overcomes the world? Because I think that's what we're all trying to figure out, right? What is the thing, what is the thing that overcomes the world? Let me tell you what it is, it's faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that, 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 they, they, that through faith, they conquered kingdoms, they administered justice, they gained what, what was promised, they shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the fury of flames, they escaped the edge of the sword, their, their weakness was turned into strength, they became powerful in battle, they routed foreign armies. Listen, if you wanna overcome the world, guess what you need? You need some faith. You continue reading Hebrews 11, by faith Rahab, by faith Samson, by faith Gideon, by faith Joshua, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. Faith moves mountains, somebody say amen. Faith allows you to live in the all things are possible realm. Faith says that what's impossible with man is not impossible with God. We're trying to get you to be with God here at Elevate Ministries. How do you get with God? What gets you into position to be with God? Let me tell you what it, what it is. It's faith. It's faith. Elevate is a faith focus and movement church. You know what faith is? Faith is like that anchor into your future. And you just take the rope and you just need to pull yourself into your future. It's the anchor that allows you to, to get where God wants you to be. Are you with me today? Big dreams, small steps. So when you hear the gospel, it puts faith on the inside of you. And faith, faith is this. Faith says, this is what you have now, but this is what you can have in Christ. This is what you can have in Christ. You can be the head, not the tail. Can I say it again? You can be above only and not beneath. You can be blessed in the country. You can be blessed in the city. You can be blessed going in and blessed going out. If God is for you, who can be against you? Faith, faith, faith is telling you this is what can happen. Are you with me today? You don't have to settle. That's what faith says. You don't have to settle for divorce. You don't have to settle for dysfunction. You don't have to settle for addiction. You don't have to settle for second best. Is anybody here today? You can have the very best. How many know you can have the very best marriage? You can have a great family. And here's what the devil will do. The devil will try to say, hey, you know what? Maybe that's as good as it's gonna get. That's what the devil will say to you, right? He'll say, man, she used to hit you upside the head with that frying pan. At least now she's like cooking you some eggs in it. She's a little feisty once in a while, throws her shoe. But listen, it's a lot better than it used to be. 
it almost, it almost, it's almost like, it's almost like, like, like maybe, maybe, maybe it's more, it's better, like more Christ-like, just to be content with what God's already done. Like somehow it almost feels a little bit pious to just be like, Lord, thank you for what you, I don't wanna ask for too much. Like I don't wanna have my, I don't want my expectations to be, to be, to be too high. God, God would tell you this morning, you don't have to settle. I'll say it again. God's speaking to you today, and he's saying you don't have to settle for that. You can have more than that. You can have more. Faith says you can have more, but you just can't settle. I'll never settle. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not gonna settle. In order not to settle, you have to have the faith that, that, that this is what God has for me, but in order not to settle, sometimes you're gonna have to focus your attention on things that need to change. So you can have faith that God could do this, but in order, to, in order to actually get there, you're gonna have to focus on some stuff in your own life that needs to change. Possibly there's a broken area inside of you. Ever thought about that before? That maybe something inside of me is stopping me, is, is keeping me here, is planting me here. There's something in my heart that's broken that won't allow me to get past this. There's probably some areas where you're gonna have to focus on and, and move them out. There's probably some spots in your life where you're stuck. But God, has the, God says you can have this. Why aren't you getting that? Probably there's something in here that needs fixed something maybe spiritually or mentally or emotionally that, that, that God wants to fix. But in order for that to tra transpire, you gotta focus on it. But human nature does this. Human, human, human nature says, you know what, I don't want pain. I don't wanna look at that. I don't wanna stare at that because that, that's, that's painful and, and our nature is, is to avoid pain and to avoid disruption and, and avoid struggle rather than focus on it. God's saying, I want you to focus on it. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to fix what's broken inside of you. So don't settle for what, what you have right now. But we believe that God can give you much more. So we're not gonna settle for less than that, amen. Faith tells you what you can have. Faith tells you what's, what's possible, but you can't, you're never gonna get what faith says you can. You're gonna get what you settle for. Are you with me today? And so my job on Sunday is to stir your faith so that you won't settle for anything less than God's very best. Because Jesus didn't die to, to deliver you 75%. He didn't, he didn't die so your life could be 90% better. 95%, not, that, that, Jesus, he didn't die so you could have a 99% better life. He died to guarantee you 100% freedom, 100% deliverance, 100% forgiveness of sin, not, not most, right, not some. He, he died so that all of your sin, all of your transgressions, all of your shame, that you can have 100% right standing with the Father, that you are an heir to every promise that he gives you. It's faith, it's focus and movement toward what God has for you. So in closing, in the book of Exodus, I wanna tell a story. Have the worship team come. And you guys are gonna play for a long time. <laughs> All right. In the book of Exodus, Exodus story is famous for Moses going toe to toe with Pharaoh. It's, a, it's an epic battle because, because you have the, God's people They've been in bondage, they've been enslaved for 400 years. They've been serving Pharaoh and really building his empire. They're the ones doing all the hard labor. They're the ones, they're, get, they're, they're working day and night. They're not getting paid anything. 
And they're, they're, they're basically building Pharaoh's empire. So God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I've called you to be a deliverer. I want you to go to Pharaoh with the staff you have in your hand, and I want you to make some demands. I want you to demand Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and Moses you know, argues with God for a little while, God, that's crazy. Like, he's the most powerful man in the world. You wanna send me this guy? That's, a, that's, that's nuts, he's gonna kill me. And I'm sure there's a lot of back and forth. But finally, Moses agrees, and under the anointing of God, he goes before Pharaoh. And he says, Pharaoh, I have a message from God for you. I'm demanding that you let my people go. I'm sure Moses pictured that Pharaoh would just go, yes, sir, whatever you want, and just kind of let him go. But here's the thing. Pharaoh just kind of scratches his head and he's like, so Moses, what you want is you want me to give you all of my labor, like the labor force for the whole nation, the, the people that are building everything. You, you want me just to give them, get, let them go. And Moses says, yes, you, I want you to let them go they, they, so that they can worship. How many know Satan hates worship? And so, so, so Pharaoh thinks about it a little bit. He's like, he's like you want me to let my, my labor force go so they can worship. So, so you're telling me that my slaves have time to worship? We need to fix that. He says, well, if, if, they, have, if they, have, they have too much time, on, if they have time to worship, they've got too much time on their hands. So what, you're, what we're gonna do instead, I'm not, not only am I not gonna let them go, but I'm actually not gonna supply them with the resources they need to make the bricks to build my empire. They're still gonna have to meet the quota, but they're gonna have to get their own resources to do it. And so all of a sudden, the, the, the work becomes harder. All of a sudden, the people are under more stress than they've ever been under before. And so they're mad, they're complaining at Moses. Moses is like, God, like how in the world, why would, you, why, would you, why would you make me look like the bad guy here? You see, Satan hates worship. He, 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 can't, he can't stand worship. He'll do anything to stop your worship. And so as soon as Moses tries to bring back worship, he gets a massive pushback from the government. Does that sound familiar to any of you here today? And so now all of a sudden Moses, now he, now he has to put some teeth to his demands. And so he goes before Pharaoh and he slams down his staff and the waters turn to blood and he stand, slams down his staff and frogs come crawling out of the Nile and he, then there's lice and, and then there's flies and all these plagues begin to come upon Egypt and finally Pharaoh's like, fine, sure, fine, I'll let him go. I'll let him go. You can go and worship, but you're gonna have to stay in the land. Like, I'll let you worship, but you're gonna have to stay here. In other words, you're gonna have to stay under my jurisdiction if you wanna worship. So I'm gonna tell you the guidelines of which you can worship. You, you can only worship at 25% capacity, only 100 total people in the building, six feet apart. Moses is like, uh-uh, no deal, no deal. And so bam, another plague. A plague hits and all of a sudden you got Pharaoh, he's got boils and zits, the whole, the whole, all the Egyptians are looking terrible, boils everywhere. And, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh's like, fine, 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 I'll let you go, but you can't go far. I'll let you worship, but not very far away, just, 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 just a little bit. So, so, so it's like he said, you know, you, you can worship, but we're gonna, we're gonna limit your numbers. No singing, outdoor only. Moses is like, no deal, no deal. Bam, next plague, livestock, all the carne asada, gone. 
no more al pastor. All of a sudden, Pharaoh's like, well, I can't live without that. So, so I'll let you go then, fine, I'll let you go, only the men. O only the men will go. In other words, I still want you under my control. So your marriages and your families, they still belong to me. Your, your, your marriage, your family, they're still gonna be in distress, destroyed, still in pain. And Moses is like, no deal, no way. Next plague hits, Pharaoh's trying to bargain again. Okay, 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 you can go leave your stuff here. Like, you just leave all of your belongings, all of your livestock, all your stuff. You can go worship, but you gotta leave all your stuff here. And Moses is like, no way, no way. We're not leaving Egypt without our stuff. Because, because if we can't, if we don't have our stuff, we can't sacrifice, we can't tithe, we can't participate in missions, offerings. And Moses is like, no deal. We're not gonna worship the Lord empty-handed. We're gonna bring him the first fruits of our increase. We're gonna honor the Lord with our worship, no deal. You see, Moses wouldn't settle for anything less than total deliverance. Do you hear that? He wouldn't settle for anything less than total deliverance. And, and how it ultimately came about was with the 10th plague. And you know, the 10th plague was, was, was the, the killing of the firstborn. And in order to be protected, the, the, the children of Israel would have to kill a spotless lamb and they'd have to shed its blood and place the blood on, on, the, on the beams of the house, the, the vertical and the horizontal beams of the house and place the blood of a spotless lamb. What does that give you a picture of? It gives you a picture of Jesus who also, who also made the sacrifice for our sins. And, 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 and we know that the death angel passed over them and they experienced total deliverance, man, woman, child, all of their belongings. And not only that, they took with them out of Egypt all the silver and all the gold. They were 100% totally delivered and prospered at the same time. It was a mighty de deliverance. And so when you think about this story, what, what, what hits me is that there were, there were 10 judgments, 10 different judgments that were placed upon Pharaoh in order for God's people to experience total deliverance. And what that means to me is, is here's the thing, Moses could have settled like five plagues back. He could, have, he could have struck a deal and just kind of settled for what he was being offered by Pharaoh. But Moses says, I'll never settle. I'm not, I'm not leaving here, we're not moving, and we're not, we're, we're not gonna, we're, we want total 100% deliverance. And if that means that we're gonna make bricks without straw, if that means we're gonna have to struggle, if that means it's gonna be difficult, that's, that's fine with me. I'm willing to endure in order to get what God has for my life. I'm not gonna be able to possess, you're not gonna be able to possess what God has for you without a fight without going through some stuff, without some sort of battle, without some sort of spiritual warfare. The problem is, is most people just settle. Most people just settle for an okay marriage. Most people just settle that, oh, you know what? At least two of our kids are going for God and you know, one is backslidden, but I guess, I guess it's better than, than all of them not serving God. And we just, we just kind of settle. We, we just settle, that, settle for the fact that, you know what? Maybe we'll never be able to buy a home in Orange County. You know, I'll never be able to afford a home in Orange County, so, so I guess we'll just have to move our family to Wyoming or, or Mississippi because, you know, it's so much cheaper there. And what you're actually saying is, is like, well, I guess that means that God's word only works in, in cheaper places. 
I mean, think about what you're saying. I guess I gotta move out of state in order to be able to, listen, are you telling me that God can't prosper you right here? Like it's just numbers to God. It's just numbers to God. God can do anything. We talk about it all the time. So you're telling me that you're gonna limit God based on numbers? I don't know about you, but I'm saying, look, the Bible says that God's arm is not shortened that it cannot save. God can do anything. Anything is possible. God can do it. Listen, you just gotta, you gotta have the faith to believe that. You gotta focus on, on the obstacles and never settle. Never settle. Lord, I'll never settle. Lord, it's my commitment to you right now. I'm never, ever going to settle. Never gonna settle. I believe there's more. I believe there's more. Come on, would you just pray with me today? Lord, I believe there's more. You have more, you have more and better for my life. You have more and better for my marriage. You have more and better for my, for my kids. You have more and better for our church. You have more and better. I'll never settle. I'm not making a deal with the devil. I'm not gonna be content with what we have. Better is better than best. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We look forward for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name. You know, as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking like, why, why do people settle? Because it happens all the time, you know what I mean? Like, why do people just settle in a, in a bad relationship? Or wh why do they just settle with, with just okay? Why do people settle? And, and here's the thing, what, I, what, I, what I've discovered, it's not because they're sinful. Like they're bad, horrible people, sinners. Well, why in the world would they just settle? Well, they're just evil. That's, I don't think that's it. I don't, I don't think it's because they hate God or I, I don't think it's any of those things. I think, I think, I think, I think people settle just because they get tired. I think, I think people just, they settle because, man, it's just constant battle, constant warfare, making bricks without straw. Like, it doesn't seem like I'm getting anywhere. But here's the thing. In order for you to possess all that God has for you, there's gonna be battles. There's gonna be warfare. There's gonna be movement that's required. There's gonna be focus. You're gonna to have to overcome some stuff. Like, like a lot of people, what ends up happening is they, they, they're like, man, another battle? another fight, I, 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 I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm kinda happy with where I am then. Like, I don't know if I can muster enough strength. And here's what, here's what I love about Elevate Ministries, is that all of us are gonna get into times and seasons where we just feel like we're done, I'm tired, I can't fight anymore. I'm not gonna, I, look, I've I, I believed for that. It's just not come to pass. Maybe it's just not gonna happen. Maybe it's not for me. What I love about this church is that we're not, we're not gonna just sit there and allow you to lower your expectations. We're not just gonna sit back and, 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 and get, allow you to think that maybe this is as good as it gets. Maybe, maybe this is always how it will be. We're not gonna allow you to think that way because you're gonna be in this house surrounded by brothers and sisters that will say, you know what? We're gonna pray for you. We're we're gonna believe with you. We're gonna stand with you. I'm here to put courage back inside of you so that you can grit your teeth, look forward to another and say, I will not settle for less than what God has for me. I'm not gonna settle. I'll continue to fight. I'm not gonna stop because of fatigue. I'm not gonna stop because the battle is tough. I'm not gonna stop because I'm weary. I'm not gonna stop because it's a relentless everyday pursuit. I'm not gonna settle. I'm gonna get around some other people that will put their arms around 
family? Aren't you grateful for the house of God? Aren't you grateful that we value movement around here? That we're not going to sit back and say, yeah, you know what? It didn't work out for me either. No, we're going to say, you know what? I believed God. I fought day in and day out. And today, my marriage is thriving. I, I believed God that one day I'd own property in Orange County. And guess what? This Monday, I'm settling on my house. I'm getting the keys to my house. Come on, Jacqueline. Where are you at? I'm getting the keys to my house um, uh, uh, next week. I'm getting the Danny and Zeal. I'm getting the keys to my house next. I'm, on Monday, we're closing. Listen. I remember I was with Danny. We work out together. Actually, he works out. I watch him. Anyways, <laughs> we're working out together. And I know that he, they, 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 he's told me stories years back trying to get into a house and denied and denied and denied. It just seemed like it just lost heart. That's kind of how it was, right? I mean, just lost heart. Like, like man, maybe it's just not, it's just not gonna happen. And, and uh, little by little, like I didn't jam him on it, like that thinking, I didn't jam him on it, but I made a, made a little bit of a focus. And when we're working out, I'm gonna talk about it. Man, come on, why don't you call this guy? There's, there's different ways. There's, God can do anything. He can, he can, he can make a way. There's, there's a possibility. And so you know what? Without me even knowing, he got on the phone, started making some phone calls. And, and before long, he's like, hey, man, we put an offer in on a house. I'm like, you did what? Yeah, man, we put an offer in. I'm like, oh, come on, bro. And, and they didn't get it. I was like, that's all right. You'll, you'll, there's another one. There's another one. And they put an offer in on another house, another house, denied, denied. They kept putting offers in. Finally, boom, it hits. They get the, get the place they always wanted, a, a place they can raise their kids in. I mean, what a celebration. I'm glad I, I'm not around people that say, you know what? Yeah, man, it's too expensive. <sighs> I know, man, that's terrible. I don't wanna be around people like that. I wanna be around people of faith. I'm glad to be a part of a church that says, you know what, I've got big dreams. They're bigger than me. They're bigger than what I'm capable of doing, but God says that he'll give me more than I could even ask, what's more than what's possible, more than I can ever imagine. So guess what? I'm gonna believe God for more. I'm gonna believe God for better. I believe God's not done with me yet. I believe the best is yet to come, that my future's greater than my past. I believe that all things are possible. I believe that God can do it, and he can do it again, and he can do it again, and he can do it again. How many believe God can do it again and again? He can do more, he can do greater. The greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm just crazy enough to believe in that God can do it. He can do anything that what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so Lord, I'm going to keep 